Hi, I'm Sanera Madani, and I'm a mom of two, a daughter of an immigrant and an unlikely entrepreneur who went from scaling an idea to a billion dollar business. Yes, a billion dollar business. Along the way, I learned that less than 2% of female founders ever hit 1 million in revenue. And I became obsessed on a mission to change that. I believe that there is so much gatekeeping in business knowledge and that we as female entrepreneurs should be learning from other female founders and leaders who have broken the statistics. Since I never went to CEO school, I've had to learn it all the hard way, but you shouldn't have to because we believe that you deserve to have it all. And honestly, nothing bad happens when women make more money. Grab a seat because class is officially in session. Welcome to CEO School. Hey everyone, it's Nera here. CEO School is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We are part of a family of shows designed to help professionals listen, learn, and grow by providing access to the world's leading B2B podcasts like Success Story, hosted by Scott D. Clary. Success Stories features Q&A sessions with successful business leaders, keynote presentations, and conversations on sales, marketing, business, startups, and entrepreneurship. I recently enjoyed listening to Scott interview Rebecca Zung, who is recognized as a top 1% attorney and, get this, a narcissist negotiation expert who shared her perspective on how to negotiate your best life. Listen to Success Story wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. Welcome to CEO School. I'm your host, Sanera Madani, and today I have a founder that I think you are all going to love and admire and may or may not have actually used her registry. I am here today with Natalie Gordon, and Natalie Gordon is the founder and CEO of BabyList, the leading vertical marketplace and commerce destination for baby driving purchase decisions for more than 8 million people each year. And yours truly has used BabyList for both of her baby registries. And so it is the most remarkable site. And I used it, Natalie, in 2015. So this is like kind of like in the early stages. And I just bought some gifts for a friend now and I saw so much advancement in the platform. But we'll come back to your amazing bio. The idea for BabyList sparked in 2011 when Natalie was pregnant with her first child and realized that registries on the market lacked guidance and gifting options. Since its launch, Natalie has scaled BabyList as a profitable and sustainable business with multiple revenue streams across e-commerce, advertising, and BabyList is now the number one generational brand in baby registry, driving hundreds of millions of dollars into the 67 billion baby product economy every year. And a fun fact, because I love this, before founding BabyList, Natalie worked as a software engineer at Amazon. So I am so excited to have you, Natalie, on the show. So many questions. I want to know how you built this, why you built this, how you scaled it, and everything in between. So welcome to CEO School. Thank you so much, Sanira. That was a really great intro. And I am so glad you used BabyList yourself. And I, we can talk about, I, I founded it when I was having my first baby and that was 2011. Like now I have a middle schooler and it sounds like you're almost there, but I will consider you a true early adopter, even in 2015. I feel like I was an early adopter. I don't even know how I ended up finding the site at the time, but I've always been a technologist. Like I'm always like, do I'm always the first user of a lot of tools. 
I also founded a tech company, but I'm just always looking for things that were more efficient. And I remember that my friends were signing up for Target registries and other registries. And I'm like, there's so many other products that like just aren't available on the sites. And I was kind of like one of those moms that I didn't want everything of one brand. I wanted something that was economical as well as function. I wanted Amazon and there wasn't like Amazon didn't have their registry at the time. And so it was just like this perfect site. I don't know how we ended up finding it. And uh, Mila Madani had her registry uh, at that time there. And it was really amazing. And I actually just used it recently to gift to a friend uh, who was having twins and she uh, was using Babyless and it was like back full circle, but the platform has changed so much. But it's a beautiful product idea and most importantly, execution because everyone can have an idea. But the hardest <laughs> part about being an entrepreneur is actually executing it. So Natalie, tell me the story. How did this get started and how did you scale Babylist? Yeah. Um, so if I were going to take you back in time um, to what my life was like when I had the idea for Babylist, and then I can walk you through that initial execution. Um, you got it exactly right. I'm a, I'm a software engineering by training. I went to school for computer science. Um, I actually worked at Amazon as a software engineer. Um, I took time off traveled, um, was doing some consulting work. Um, I had actually spent about a year building um, a website and a business in the language learning space that had not been successful. And I was I was pregnant. I was actually living in Vancouver, Canada. Um, and the consulting work was really uninspiring. And I, I was working at it really hard. So I kind of had that money so I could take time off once I had my baby. And um, really decided that this is uh, this is really negative, and um, I decided that I was like not gonna kind of continue working with the company I was working with. Um, and I, I truly had the idea for Babylist when I was creating my own baby registry. Um, I was gonna have a small shower and. How a baby registry works is you choose all of the products you'd like, and then you share it um, with people coming to your baby shower, friends and family who really want to give you a great gift and want to support you. And so at that time, I think what existed in the market was pink or blue. So it was like very baby-like rather than modern in any way. Um, it was very retailer specific. And so you could register at Babies R Us, but only add products from Babies R Us and um, it uh, like didn't work well for friends and family. And so I, I truly, I was like, well, I know what I want. And I think this would be like a fun project. Like it, I really had that attitude. It was like, maybe I'll learn things. I'll get to do some things over that I really feel like I got wrong with this last project. Maybe this would bring in some passive income. And maybe I would like meet people who I could work with on my like real idea in the future. So not anything yeah. you weren't thinking, we're going to go build this like, you know, multi, you know, $100 million enterprise. We're just going to, we're just going to do a baby registry for and see how it goes. Yeah. And maybe it'll make a couple thousand dollars a yeah. month. And like I could set it and forget it and that'll be great. Um, really, uh, this was... I, I, I still am now. It, it's a different time period, but um, the Lean Startup was hugely yes. influential. I read that book and I was like, 
oh, this is everything I got wrong with like this business, which is so visceral. Like I'm sure there are people listening to your podcast and when they have made the mistake you're talking about, it is, it's so much more meaningful. Um, so I was like, I want to do everything like a different way this time. And part of that was like launching way too early, um, being embarrassed with what you're launching with, but then really being able to learn with real users. And um, I, it was truly just me and I partnered with a designer um, and we launched Baby List um, less than two weeks before I actually gave birth to Aww. my son. So did and you actually get to use your registry or no? Did I get to? I did. Oh. I actually did not. It is not. It was not ready in time. Um, but I created the product I wanted myself and I had this like deep empathy for like the handful of users who really were our true first adopters. Um, so uh, launched the site two weeks later, had um, had Max, my, my firstborn. And then I would say that whole next year, uh, I was actually primarily home with my son. And that uh, while like meaningful and wonderful, and I'm very glad I had the privilege and opportunity to do so, um, it was very isolating. It was boring. Um, it, it was actually, I think, like uh, quite a difficult period. And I had this thing that was so interesting and so like intellectually interesting and kind of in the first few months really had the goal, if I could work for 45 minutes a day on this, that's that's good enough. Like that's what a, that's what a day could really feel like. That kind of scaled up um, to hiring a babysitter for three hours in the afternoon, and she would come over, and I would go to a coffee I shop. Love around this. The this is like such a real mom story. My heart is like just exploding. I love this. By the way, I know exactly how my audience is feeling right now, and they're dying listening right now too. I know you are. I'm dying. You're dying. We're all dying. So sweet. I could tell you that the traction we kind of got to, or I got to um, at that one year mark, it was like, it was making $3,000 a month. And it was kind of this milestone where it was like, oh, there might be a, a like a there there. And this is at- So was your revenue coming from like the commission on the products? Yes. Okay. That was it, through affiliate revenue. Uh, it was a, 10 years ago was a great time to create an affiliate based business. Um, it's a different time, time now for that business model specifically. Um, and decided this is the full-time thing I'm going to go to, like, I'm going to go to this full-time. I'm not going to now go out and get another software engineering job. And, and that was about 10 years ago. And then what happened in between the like last 10 years? So the way I, I tell the story now, and then we can dig in. I, I tell that founding story and then I say, fast forward to today and over a million families a year sign up for a baby list registry. Last year, we drove over $700 million of commerce from the registry platform. Um, and so I guess there's obviously been a lot between then and now and we can dig into like what that felt like. But um, that's like where we've scaled right now. Oh, my goodness. That is just amazing. Did you ever imagine having a 1 million families like you're bringing like what joy do you feel cuz I just feel joy talking to you that you're getting to like be part of so many like like motherhood and just starting this like journey with your babies and especially like your first registry like it's so important cuz you don't know all the things that you're going to need it's such a special time in a family's life and you just I'm so happy that you get to be part of that. And I feel like I'm connected now with you to be part of like a million 
families that you get to support through that journey, through a product that you created that you may have never launched. Do you ever think about that? What goes through your head when you think about that? I think about it in terms of how long I've worked on this business. It's it's I'm on the other side of a decade. And like, what's this like true mission and true motivation? I think the thing you're naming is actually incredibly real to me. It's something I talk to the company about all the time. And um, even when I have ideas for like other businesses I could do, or like, would there ever be a next thing? I come back to the audience because like, they're such wonderful people. They're doing this really intense, incredible thing, most often for the first time. We've actually in the past year, been doing a lot more for grandma. And I'm actually obsessed with this whole new audience where like first time grandma and her like wanting to be a great grandma and how she's approaching her role is like also just so meaningful in in a similar but different way. I love it. I love this so much. Congratulations on all the success. And also, you know, you said something, it's 10 years later. I could really, I relate to you on this. I'm in my 10th journey, uh, 10th year at Stacks, the company that I founded in 2014. We built it from nothing to now doing 30 billion in payments through our platform. And, you know, there's, I don't know, 50 plus thousand customers that we touch and just the commerce that's flowing through. And it's different than, you know, I'm not like, I wish I was helping families and babies, but we're helping small business owners. And it's just a different, meaningful level in that. But I really, one of the things that now I'm on the other side and It took a long time to build a business as well. And I think that that's a huge part of entrepreneurship that isn't shared. Like it's not an overnight success. And I'm sure that you and I can probably afterwards have some like, like let's have a heart to heart right here. Like 10 years as a founder and CEO is fucking hard. Like that is hard. Like you've gone through everything for your company I can empathize. I've gone through everything in my company from scaling a company through the pandemic, hiring, firing, your my first lawsuit to the last time we did whatever, to partnership battles, to reven- like diversifying revenue streams, right? So would love to maybe like, I want to just come back to the fact that it took 10 years to be at this point. And that takes a lot of applause too. And I think that big businesses that are created don't just cre- get created overnight. It's 10 years of every day that you felt that people don't see. And I feel that all like every day. Everything you just named where you say hiring, firing, your first lawsuit, like that first time where maybe a revenue stream goes away, like what it felt like with that initial shock of COVID. Like I, each one like just brings up specific feelings and memories. And I think also when it's been this long, I think part of, like, I show up every day, like every day, whether it's like a great day or whether like everything is going wrong, like there's a real consistency to like, okay, I'm going to show up and we're going to get through this too. Um, I think actually in a really positive way, I can bring a real perspective to to things now uh, where I, I know what it also feels like to get through these like huge, seemingly insurmountable problems, like the lawsuit that could kill the business or that person leaving and like, what are we going to do then? Uh, that I think I've actually gained in a really positive way 
um, a, like a true maybe understanding of my resiliency and of the company's resiliency and the resiliency of like those people I work with. Um, so they're, they're good lessons. Amazing. I would say like the, you know, the number one question that I get asked is like, you know, what's your biggest lesson for like, you know, in entrepreneurship? And for me, it's like, it doesn't get easier. You just get better. And that's it. Like you just get better and you learn to like the first time it happens, it feels like everything's the end of the world. And it's always just tackling the next challenge. And so as long as you're a really good solution finder, like that's all you have to be as CEO is like the one with your head clear to go find the solution because that's what you have to do every day. So like go through that roadblock and then trust me, there's another one waiting for you on the other side as soon as as soon as you cross one. Uh, but I just want to applaud your level of consistency. Because I don't I get to, to see that. Um, like to, to build on what you're saying, I yeah. love to say this to your audience. Who I was as a CEO 10 years ago is not who I am today as a CEO. And one of our core values as a company is having a growth mindset. And what that actually means is like you can improve on things. And when I think back to my skill level and like capabilities 10 years ago, um, I learned a lot of things the hard way. Like I was a I was a bad people manager and I got really good external coaching and I like gained confidence and experience over years. I would even say now us talking on a podcast probably a couple of years ago would have felt so scary and insurmountable to me and like I actually I really I feel this way about everyone at our company, your whole audience and myself, like you really can improve. And often it's actually through failure and like being embarrassed and like then picking yourself up the next day and kind of turning it into a lesson. It really is. And I, I just want to, and when I was saying like, I just admire you so much right now for like, I don't get to meet a lot of founders truly that I just, 10 years is a long time. I feel you girl. I know what you've gone through to go build this business in a very different way. I've done the same. And I just want to applaud. It takes consistency. And what you said about like showing up, like you show up every day, that's the hardest part. Like that's the part that you've got. Like that's what you get credit for and why you have a successful business is because you show up every day. And for those entrepreneurs that are listening today, like it is about consistency. It's not about that one big thing. It's not going to happen overnight. It's the little things and showing up every single day that's going to add uh, it's that greater sum to the success, not just the success. And so, um, you know, what a beautiful journey that you've had. And here you are now. Uh, what is happening at Babyless? So what's what's you know, what's your exit plan? Like what is like, you know, what should I be asking you about Babyless? You've conquered the world. You're on top. Number one product for registries. Now you're doing grandma lists and all this really amazing stuff. How do you think about a business now in its 10th year? to change in an ever-changing environment. I'd love to kind of talk about things that might have changed in your business, pivots that you had to make, um, and where it's headed to. Yeah. Um, right now, the greater vision is this generational company uh, that like is just serving you in so many different ways and your whole family when you have a baby. And so I think we do that extremely well with the registry. The registry... Uh, it, it's actually, it's fantastic uh, how it works. You um, choose all of your products. Friends and family are truly able to support you when you have a baby, get you the things you need. Um, and I guess things that we're really excited about and focused on right now 
is um, baby list is truly unique because we're sitting at the center of this family graph. We have relationship to um, to the parents. We know when the baby was born. We also have this relationship with grandma and um, with godparents and with friends of the family. And everyone wants to show up for that family, that growing family for that baby and do a great job in their role. And so we're really working on building like content and experiences uh, really to continue to provide that value um, after the registry. Um, so that's something we're very focused on as a company. Um, let me think what I'm focused on as a CEO. Uh, I, I guess I like to think that every year I have a different job and maybe even going back to a growth mindset. I have to stop doing stuff I'm good at, hand that <laughs> off, and I have to get good at something that I'm not good at yet and something that like uh, is difficult. Every year is difficult. I would also say when it goes to the longevity, it, it means my job is different every year and um, truly interesting and challenging. And I think this year it's actually, um, I'd say the theme is really like growing our executive team. So bringing on like people, the right people um, who are going to really help Babylist achieve this vision, making that team feel like a team. Um, so that's like probably what defines this time period. While you're listening to this podcast, you're probably doing something else too. Mastering the art of cooking, driving your kids to practice, dancing like no one's watching. We get it. When you're having conversations with your customers, the same is probably true for them. They're IMing their teams, mentally planning their date nights. So growing conversations beyond the moment can be challenging. HubSpot helps you go beyond the moment by connecting you and your teams, giving you access to the exact same data and helping you see the full customer picture, what motivates them, what their expectations are, and how you can blow them out of the water. With powerful tools that connect marketing, sales, ops, and service, HubSpot's powerful CRM platform powers you and your teams to transform customer moments into extraordinary customer experiences. Learn how HubSpot can help your business grow better at HubSpot.com. Running a business is hard. Managing employees is hard. Getting customers through the door is even harder. But getting paid shouldn't have to be. This is where Stacks Payments is here to help. As an intuitive platform for invoicing, recurring billing, in-person, as well as online payments, Stacks is a one-stop hub to get you paid. What's even better? Stacks has one flat fee for the month instead of percentages you can't understand. Stop spending time tracking down customers or payment tools that fail on you. Set your automations up with Stacks Payments today. As CEO and founder of Stacks and CEO School, it's been my mission to support female leaders, founders, and CEOs. With Stacks, I'm able to do so by providing fast, easy, and affordable way to process payments every day for you. I love it. It is. It's such an important part. And I love what you said about like, you have to let go of the things that you're good at because that's your comfort, right? And that's where growth stops. And, you know, comfort is the enemy of growth. I say that always. And you have to get uncomfortable with, you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that is part of the, that's the main job of a CEO is doing the things that, you know, that you're, you have to show up for, no one else can can do. And I love that you're talking about team building. As you think back on the last 10 years, what would be some of like the most like pivotal 
um, milestones that you felt like you were able to tick, like check off as CEO or felt like those were like really important things? Like if you were to go back and say, I, I just want to focus, like go back and say, those are the things that I'm glad I did well. What were those things? I think this probably applies to some people listening. Uh, it really felt like we had this great product market fit with the registry. Uh, people would use it. They would, they would like it. They would tell friends and family about it. But there was truly a pivotal time period. It could have even been when you really tried us out with your first, where we started to figure out distribution. And what that felt like was there's this marketing channel. In 2015, that marketing channel for us was Pinterest. And we can put money into this marketing channel and like it actually like really helps us scale the business. Um, that was a time period of truly rapid growth where I do believe before that time period, we had this product market fit, but didn't have this real distribution and like capability to really grow the company. There was a lot of wishful thinking. It felt like, oh, I really hope that we get this PR opportunity rather than really strategic next step of we're going to put these marketing dollars into this channel and that's going to triple the size of the business this year. So it's really about that strategic, like taking the action versus the wishful part of making it happen, like actually making it happen yourself and finding channels to do so. I love that. Yeah, I I think that that was real. Um, I'm sure... I'm sure people in your audience feel the same way where they have something and people love it. And it's like, but I don't actually know how to get this in the hands of a thousand times more people. It's definitely the hardest part about it's scale, right? That's that's what this is about. It's about scale. And I do think it's important what you talked about is having that product market fit. That's like the first step of the entrepreneur journey is you talked about lean startup. I love lean startup. It's the MVP. It's getting that minimally viable product into the hands of your customers and building this product with your users. The opposite. And it's funny that you did that because you're a software engineer and usually engineers have like the build it mentality versus the... um, like, let me iterate and build mentality. Like I've, from what I know about every developer and engineer and my CTO that I work with, that's not the mindset that most- You are a hundred percent right. And that was a core thing I got right in that previous language learning project. I I know the mindset. It was, well, we need to change this user behavior. So I'm going to build this brand new feature that would drive that. Um, I I could tell you uh, with this, lean startup, what launch actually looked like, it was before launching, reaching out to 15 blogs and saying, I'm about to launch and like writing that email, like it really was thinking about that, like first launch in a way that maybe an engineer wouldn't. I love it. It's so important. Like that step is so, so important. And I was lucky because I wasn't the engineer. I was always in like sales and marketing. So my head was in that direction. And my CTO who was helping me build, I have, I could not, I can't code anything if my life depended on it. Uh, but um, just different, just different viewpoints. But I, I love that you did, you have to check that piece off before you hit scale. So before you're ready for scale, what Natalie and I are talking about is getting that product, like the getting that market fit and getting that, you know, that feedback from the customer saying, yeah, they want this. Once you have about a hundred whatever users or whatever or, or using your platform, you can always iterate, but you have a product market fit already that, and, and they're 
they're using it uh, um, and they might they're they're running commerce through it they're paying dollars to it so it's not the free user it's still some sort of paid revenue that's coming through then you know holy ship we have something here we need to hit scale how do i go reach the next 1000 and that part of scale comes in and it's not just on the marketing side which is such a huge part of like your go to market how you're actually going to go acquire those customers, but it's also even support in lieu of like the operational side of your business to scale that product to support those customers. So scale is such a, like, it's the hardest part, right? Because if everybody, you know, that, you know, everyone would have a business like ours and in this size if we were to get scale correctly. But what were some of the levers? We talked about marketing, identifying your marketing source and making it tangible. So you could say $1 in equals $3 out. Right. So you had a KPI driven is what I'm hearing from your the Pinterest. You saw something, you saw opportunities that, okay, I can go pump in this funnel and I see my ROI. So I'm gonna go drive that funnel. What were some other things from a scale perspective that maybe you wish you knew sooner that you're now catching up with or that you were catching in real time? I think with scale, if you think about what we do uh, with my software engineering background. You can, you can write new code. You, you can, code actually scales uh, really nicely, uh, like really creating digital experiences. It is completely different than holding inventory. <laughs> holding inventory or like being part of any sort of manufacturing process. Uh, if you walk around the warehouse, it, it, like it's all of the stuff is on the shelves and it requires, um, people, trucks, pallets to like actually move it. It's much different. Um, I think when I think about that part of our business, for me, that's been a really big stretch. And that also comes with bringing in the right leadership and really like bringing in, um, to me, it really represents um, being able to uh like both recruit and evaluate and then have this like leader within your company who has that functional expertise and knows how to grow the team for both the short and the long term. Um, I'm trying, I might even have like really boring examples for you. It's like doing your inventory count, doing your NetSuite migration. Like there are these really big lifts where people who've gone through this growth stage, similar to when you're saying the hiring, firing, like they're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I know what that's like. I love it. And it's not boring stuff, right? I think at the end of it, it's, it's, I think what I hear you saying is scaling your team was like, and, and filling the gaps in your knowledge. And as you also scaled your business into multi, like different revenue streams as the business scaled. And I think that that is also, I mean, I think you're a genius. I love the way you thought about your business. I also had to diversify my revenue stream. We were direct to consumer when we started direct to B2B. And then we opened up our software to software companies to embed our API. And now we're like one to many and they don't even know who we are, but it's the largest, it's like the fastest growing division of my company. So as founders and CEOs, we have to think about diversification as our market scaling, adjust the teams accordingly, but investing in a team, getting started, all of these are the things, they all require risk as well. Did you ever, do you feel like you were, as a software engineer, were you a risk taker uh, in, in starting this? And then you, how are you balancing mom life? How are you balancing growth? Did you raise capital? Tell me about a little bit about that journey. I think I, I, I'm like, I love good risks. 
I love risks where you say calculated risk. Very, it's exactly the right phrase. Um, calculated risks where there really is a big unlock if you can get this right. It, like both your gut says this is right and you have some real validation to like back up any wishful thinking you might have. Um, I love that. I'm actually really comfortable in that place. And I think it might also come from um, the longevity with the business. I think I can fully understand what's the, what would that like failure feel like? I felt that failure before. Would the company survive? What would the team feel like? <coughs> um I, ha I, I guess I fit all of those into like making that decision. And then it's really then about getting the company aligned in execution. You asked a couple other things around um, like kids and around fundraising. Uh, I, I really like being a mom and I really like my job and I feel really grateful I get to do both. I, I think that I actually haven't made... Um, I haven't made trade-offs that I have regrets about. Uh, I really, I something I actually try to be because it's something that was so meaningful to me is just a role model for people, like moms particularly, when they have young kids and they're like, "This is so hard," and I'm like, "Yeah, it's hard because you're doing a really hard thing and your job's really hard and you're in it." Uh, but maybe like what you said, you're going to get better. You're going to get better at both of those roles. And um, I, I think I actually have like more positively than if I was focused on the business with 120% of my energy and didn't have my kids and my family, like by having that balance, I actually have a great perspective when it comes to risk, when it comes to my self-identity, um, when it comes to my own life path. Um, so I actually feel like having my kids like can really help me approach decisions at work uh, pro probably with less fear because I actually like my family is always there. My kids like are always there. I, I will always be their mom, even if like this part of my life goes yeah. particularly badly. I love it. It's, it's a hard, I, I hear you on and I do believe that you can have it all. It's not easy, but I love that you are representing both. And I think that's, that's super important for women to see at the level of your success as well. What does day-to-day -day look like? I think this will be my final. There's so much we can talk about. What does day-to-day -day look like as CEO today? Do you, you know, how do you keep yourself like mentally there, balancing life, growing this team, managing all of the fires that come your way as CEO What's day to day? I think you would be surprised by how balanced it is and maybe how normal it is. Uh, I could tell you about today. Uh, my alarm went off. I have the same morning routine of getting my athletic greens and my coffee. I do Wordle. I um, then like get up, get the kids up, make lunches, which I truly hate. I, I was listening to your podcast while I was doing all of that. Um, got ready for the day. Dropped off my kids at school, drove to work. Um, I've had maybe four meetings already today. Most of my time is spent um, talking to team members or partners or um, media or maybe investors, um, often over Zoom, um, often those like face to face, which I love. Um, I'll leave the office today at 5 30, maybe six o'clock. I'll go home. I'll make dinner and then I'll hang out with my kids. <laughs> so it's just, a, it's, it's like pretty, um, 
I, I bet that looks actually a lot like the the day of of the people in your audience. No, it's it's awesome. It's it's great to see like a good balance and and normalcy as well and how you've been able to do it. My days mostly look like that. And there's like travel and other things that in between, I'm sure that you've got all, all of that as well. Um, but I love it. I love I do the, I do breakfast with my kids. I hate making lunches, but I do drop off my nanny and my husband figure out pickup of like what's happening every day. But I try to get home at a decent hour to do it all over again. And you can find that balance. And I think it's like doing it early on and setting those boundaries and just you can be present as a mother and you can be, you know, present as CEO and do all the different things. And I think that a really great trait for a CEO is to be able to compartmentalize. And I call it like my 1 million tabs in my brain. They're always open. And people are like, how are you able to do all the things? And I'm like, I don't know. I just can have like, it's like the browser. Like I can have all the tabs open when there's too many tabs, like the operating system's (laughs) running slow and you could tell that stuff's not loading. (laughs) But for the most part, like I've got a lot of tabs open and and it functions and I can go tab to tab and it doesn't change anything. So you you get used to wearing all the different hats. Going back to what we were talking about with the longevity of doing this job, I also, I I truly did have a, there was a a time in the company's history, uh, it was early on, where I was like, oh, maybe I'll I'll sell, maybe I'll sell Babyless, because I'm feeling really like burnt out. I don't know how much longer I could do this. And I was like, do you know what? It's way better for like the company and for creating value if I'm here running this business like much longer, like why do, like feel burnt out and like exit too early? Uh, I think actually, like if I were treating this like a marathon rather than a sprint, and I was making sure that like I could continue to show up as the CEO very long term, that would be better. It would be better for shareholder value. It'd be better for the company itself. It'd be better for me. And I, I very selfishly just created that as the culture here. And we had this it's, it's this huge, actually competitive advantage as we hire where we can attract people and they're like, wait, I get to like work with these smart people and like feel challenged. Um, but I actually can like also kind of leave at the end of the day. People are not pinging me on Slack at 9 p.m. I can have weekends because I have the stuff outside of work that I really love. Um, so it, I think that's definitely also contributed the balance I'm naming to me feeling like this is something I, I even want to do for a decade. I love it. I think it's all the right ways of building a great business that lasts. It's with execution. It's with heart. It's with your why first. And it's with consistency. And that's exactly what Natalie has done. Natalie, this was such a pleasure having you on the show today. How can we support you? What's next for Baby List? What do you need from our audience today? Babyless is hiring. We're, We're hiring all about giving great back. people always okay. across many roles. Uh, it's definitely something I want to name for your audience. Um, support like the families and babies in your life. We will absolutely do that. Natalie, such a pleasure having you on the show today. Congratulations on all your success. Ladies, I hope you learned so much today from today's episode. I definitely did. And I will see you guys next week at CEO School. Running a business is hard. Managing employees is hard. Getting customers through the door is even harder. But getting paid shouldn't have to be. This is where Stacks Payments is here to help. As an intuitive platform for invoicing, recurring billing, in-person, as well as online payments, Stacks is a one-stop hub to get you paid. What's even better? 
Stacks has one flat fee for the month instead of percentages you can't understand. Stop spending time tracking down customers or payment tools that fail on you. Set your automations up with Stacks payments today. As CEO and founder of Stacks and CEO School, it's been my mission to support female leaders, founders, and CEOs. With Stacks, I'm able to do so by providing fast, easy, and affordable way to process payments every day for you. Thank you for tuning into today's show. If you loved it, leave us a review. We are so proud to bring you authentic conversations, game changer expert guests, and valuable content on and offline. The best compliment you can give us is by screenshotting today's show and tagging us on Instagram at CEO School and at Sanira Madani. We are obsessed with swag, so don't be surprised if we want to send you some. Thanks for tuning into class today. And remember, nothing bad happens when women make more money.